Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLaw.com. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Glenn Davis. All right, away we go here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. This is Soccer Matters presented by DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. John Daspit, the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com are presenting sponsors. Happy Halloween to you out there. Um... Lot to talk about here uh, tonight. Uh, we're going to do a lot of Austin FC talk tonight. Uh, obviously, we're going to break down the game against LAFC. Uh, incredible year for Verde and uh, that entire organization, the fan base. Incredible year. We're going to put it in context. But before we get into it, we must acknowledge that this this was a dominant performance from LAFC, and they will at home go into the final on Saturday against the Philadelphia Union. Uh, as the clear favorites, uh, I would think. Um, but we're going to get into that tonight. So a big welcome to everybody tonight. Um, and a happy Halloween. We've got some good Halloween music we're going to be using for break music. Uh, we got Corey behind the glass here tonight. And again, it wasn't the desired result in Los Angeles, but we will break it down. A couple of things kind of fresh off the presses here I just want to get out there. Um, Paul Pogba apparently could miss the World Cup in France or will miss it. That's what this article was saying on ESPN. Uh, for France, uh, has had the knee injury. Juventus, Weston McKinney for the U.S. is out for a couple weeks now. Uh, we've spoken about this on this show, the condensed schedule, the rush to get games in, uh, intensifying things with players. And frankly, I'm still not feeling World Cup 2022. Luis Suarez went back to South America to play for Nacional in Uruguay, he scored two goals in the Uruguayan title game against Liverpool. Yes, there is a Liverpool in Uruguay. Um, so, big deal there. Flamengo over Atletico Paranense in the Copa Libertadores final. And that's the second consecutive final that Gabby goal. Gabriel Barbosa has scored goals. Uh, Major League Soccer ought to come calling for him. Excellent striker. This is a guy who went to Europe for five years, played for Benfica. Uh, I think he was at Juventus, if my memory serves me. He went five years and didn't score a goal after scoring goals like crazy in Brazil with Santos. Goes to Europe, one goal in five years, gets brought back to Santos, scores like a goal every two games, then goes to Flamengo now, and in two straight years with Flamengo in Brazil, has scored goals in the Copa Libertadores final. That's an interesting one. And, and why does a South American as talented as him not make it over in Europe? A lot of things, but this one you got to kind of think about comfort here. Uh, Brazilian player, very comfortable playing in his native country culturally and a lot of the other things that go along uh, with that. All right, uh, phone lines are going to be open these first two segments. Later on, we'll have Jeremiah Bentley of the Moon Tower pa podcast on the show. But the phone lines are open. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. Um, 
Corey will get you hooked on here. Uh, if you want to give me your thoughts, I'll take thoughts on the context of what was an amazing year, but I want to get your thoughts on the year for Austin FC and then thoughts on the game against LAFC. Um, all right, so so Austin FC goes down 3-0 to LAFC. Lots to talk about in this match and how it unfolded. Um, you know, uh, we'll put this year of platform in context. What we got in the semifinals of Major League Soccer, though, was the truth. The teams with the best bodies of work and consistency got rewarded by advancing to the semifinals to prove out their regular season. See, that to me is important. I'm, I'm tired of, well, we're going to time it right, and, you, you know, there's still time in the season and, and all that. You know what? LAFC, Austin FC, Philadelphia Union, New York City FC, these teams knocked it out of the park with consistency. So let's celebrate them, the fact that they're doing both. None of this, oh, we're going to just try to time it right and sneak into the playoffs. I think we've advanced in MLS right now, and I don't think fans – necessarily are going to stand for a subpar product during the regular season um, just to wait around and have a good run in the playoffs. So this one's from MLS Communications, top of the class, for just the fourth time in MLS history and the first time since 2003. Think about this. Since 2003, the number one and number two ranked teams in the Supporter Shield standings LAFC and Philadelphia, respectively, will meet in the MLS Cup. This also occurred following the 99 and 2000 season. So it's been 19 years till the first place winners in conferences have met in an MLS Cup final. I love it. Congratulations to those four teams, but congratulations to Philadelphia and LAFC to get into the final, and congratulations to Austin FC and New York City FC as well uh, for putting consistent bodies of work together. Um, that's what it's about. Great consistency. So, of course, um, we are streaming at hornfm.com. That's where you get the podcast of the show. Some interesting sound from both coaches. We got that tonight. Uh, we're going to break this down. So this one starts out a lot of early aggression from both teams uh, with each getting in some jabbing moments of pressure. Um, from that start, I thought it was going to be a different day for Austin FC. Lineup for Austin FC. I was in the assumption that Musa Jite would get the start. I know there were some people saying you would start um, Maxi Arruti. Arruti has tailed off like he did in Houston. Uh, at the latter part of the season. I don't know. He hasn't scored goals in a long time, I don't think. Um, so maybe the big surprise was Emiliano Rigoni out wide over Ethan Finley. My gut on the prior game had said, yeah, you're going to go with Musa Gite, Rudy uh, coming on maybe against fatiguing defenders with movement and mobility. Musa Gite was manhandled by Giorgio Collini in the first half. I don't know if you remember that 26-minute tackle. That was a message that was sent straight out of the Serie A. That was it. That was a crunching tackle. That was almost on the edge of the law there. Um, 
And then Musa got kind of caught on the corner, the opening goal. Chicho Arango scored, got kind of nipped in front of him. Gave him the 1-0 lead. That was off a corner. Now, remember, the angled ball was played a lot in the first half. There was a lot of runs being made between the outside back and the center backs, uh, John Gallagher and Ruben Gabrielson. And if you remember, that corner was earned because it teased Brad Stuver off the line. Brad Stuver, by the way, exceptional. Kept Austin FC in this one. And you know something? He made big saves, but his positional play, he made those saves look easy to me. He was outstanding in goal, making the ball literally hit him. Uh, what a year for that man. What a story. Great stuff from him. 41st minute, uh, Stuver, if you remember, made a huge save on Carlos Vela. That was that same type of diagonal run. Two minutes later, he did it again against Cifuentes. I know Cifuentes hit the post as well. But man, that big story was the lack of Sebastian Driussi. We have never seen Sebastian Driussi disappear in a game. He did here today. So why do you think that happened? Tell you why. Got to give LAFC a lot of credit for the tactics and the stifling pressing play uh, that that they produced. Um, let's go to. I think this is soundbite number seven on Sebastian Driussi and more involvement, and this is coming from the head coach Josh Wolf. So this is soundbite seven. Yeah, I think you want him, at those moments you want Sebastian. He has the freedom to move down. He can move wider or lower as needed. Um, if Illy wants to follow him, that makes a little bit more space between lines. So we talked about that at halftime. We we moved to having one center mid. We brought Alex back there central on his own, put two tens in the pockets, still ask our striker to come down when he can. But, um, you know, they are strong in the middle. So it's, you know, it's a little bit of a razor's edge when you, when you want to play in the middle at times. But we still have to play behind the line. I don't think we did a great job with speed of circulation, the intent to play behind. Um, and, and again, it's the dueling is going to be challenging for us. So there you had it. Um, Josh Wolf, uh, kind of explaining what they were trying to do to get more involvement from Sebastian Driussi did not have a single key pass in the game. Um, Driussi, he didn't even know he was there. I, I felt sorry for him, honestly, in this game. Um, the lack of involvement from Sebastian Driussi occurred because of the pressing and suffocating game of LAFC. They just choked Austin FC. And one has to give huge credit to their midfield. Kellen Acosta, Jose Cifuentes, Ilya Sanchez. I mean, you're not going to hear people breaking this game. I mean, if you think about this, this was a dominant performance. And, and those three guys, for me, really set the tone. Now, knowing the nature of this team, when asked by Bucky and Aaron on b and &E. When I was on one of their morning shows during this week, my judgment was this midfield matchup going into this was huge. Huge. In the platform for both teams, applying their pressing game, controlling the game. Is that really a big statement on my end? No. It, it, it's a pretty obvious one. But it was a dominant LAFC midfield. They won the midfield. They won the middle third. They won the right to press more. And they, they led the way from start to finish in domination. No question. Um, on B&E, I also mentioned penalty area play. And for Austin FC, they didn't get into the penalty area much. 
Problem. Big problem. So back to Driussi. Here are his numbers in this critical match. No key passes, one shot, two tackles. It was though he did not make it to L.A. And this is obviously not solely on him. This is really to honor the L.A. tactics, the game plan, and their execution of it. It's one thing to have the game plan. It's another to execute it. One coach executed it. The other didn't. He didn't have any of those key passes. He didn't have any of those key passes that led to a key pass either. None of those beautiful kind of lashed changing of the point of attack passes cross field. None of that. Emiliano Rigoni got the start over Ethan Finley. He was asked, like others, to defend a lot more because of this pressing play from L.A., um, which in itself was a bit of a smoke signal, and that reminded us that, you know, the the tables were tipped. Both these teams are coming out to try and apply pressure and kind of win that game and control the game. That's what made it so intriguing. But Rigoni was out of the comfort zone having to do so much defending. And I think a lot of people were. This was not a typical Austin FC game. I don't think we saw them controlled or dominated this year to this level. Second half, Austin FC comes out. There's some early pressure, hopefully a spark. But it's really, it really never, it never compounded into something bigger. Brad Stewart continued to make big saves, made one on Chicho Arango, also one on Ryan Hollingshead. Um, after a penetrating uh, kind of give-and-go where Hollingshead got in and he just went pure power at the near post and, you know, Brad Stuver was just a big wall there. And by the way, if you think of LAFC, what a pickup Ryan Hollingshead was for them to partner with a Palacios out wide and you got a midfield controlling that game, allowing those guys to get forward. The Hollinghead acquisition was, for me, like Nick Lima to, to Austin FC. Okay, so Josh Wolf then makes the changes at the normal 60-minute mark. Ethan Finley, Maxia Rudy come on in the 67th, 62nd. Uh, sorry, in the 60th, or around that mark. And the 62nd minute, another goal off the corner. It's an own goal off of Maxia Rudy, which was really too bad because... You didn't even really get to see out some of your changes before conceding the second goal. And if I was LAFC going to halftime, and I know their manager, Steve Chirundolo, didn't make a big deal out of this because, hey, we wanted to be winning. But I think if there was anything you were critical of LAFC heading into the locker room, they, they may have lamented the fact they did not get the second goal in the best of times and a dominating first half. Do you realize, I believe, the first save in this game from Maxine Crapo? And goal for LAFC was in the 80th minute. That was off a of Julio Cascante header. I think off a corner. 80th minute. Austin FC. Are you kidding? So then a minute later, you get this very bizarre. I mean, this was something out of the theater of the bazaar in the 81st minute. Diego Fagundes was, was doing some vertical defending coming back towards his own goal lays into a tackle ball deflects and you could tell the minute it deflected it was moving in a very strange way it was almost like an MLB pitcher in the World Series hits the ground in and around the top of the penalty box 
you know, around the arc or what's the new word for the arc area? They call it Area 14. I don't know if that's like Area 51 with aliens, but Area 14 at the top of the box. And uh, the ball spins, hits the ground, spins right into the path of the substitute of Poku who finishes it, makes it 3-0. Now let's credit, based off the platform of winning midfield, the two LAFC outside backs and Hollingshead, Palacios, Look, there's nothing lucky about this win. You make your own luck. Some might say two corners, an own goal, nonsense. This game was dominated by LAFC. They deserved it. Josh Wolf even mentioned that. And it was a great season for Austin FC. What a year it was. Sometimes you just don't live up to the moment. You're beaten by a better team on the day. Austin FC have had some great moments this year, many remarkable moments. Um, and this might be... Uh, you know, kind of our version of the, the Never Netherlands not winning the, the World Cup in 74 against West Germany when they had their off game in the final. All right, we're going to take a break. we got more to come. Uh, i got a little comment here from Sebastian Driussi, who we've all just so enjoyed watching this year. His thoughts uh, on the game. We'll get some sound from both Josh Wolf and Steve Chirundolo. This is Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas. It is brought to you by... The one and only John Daspit, the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. They are bilingual, car, boat, motorcycle accident. If you need a personal injury attorney who loves your game, loves soccer, it is DaspitLawAustin.com. There's none better. Hire them. They will work for you 24-7 nights and weekends. And by the way, LamontBrands.com, get your uh, either version of the green colors of the Soccer Matters t-shirts all the proceeds to the 501C Charity Snowdrop Foundation. That is, that is LamontBrands.com. All right, welcome back to Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Somewhere tonight, you know Alice Cooper with his great theatrical uh, combination with rock and roll is playing a concert somewhere. Uh, this is Feed My Frankenstein. So all the break music tonight will be uh, referring to a happy Halloween. We had a great uh, bunch of ghouls and goblins running through my neighborhood last night. Uh, not last night, kind of in the late afternoon. Uh, a lot of kids with their parents. It was a lot of fun. I know there's a lot of that going on in Austin tonight. So if you're driving around, be careful within the neighborhoods. Uh, show is always brought to you by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. Bilingual. Um, John and his firm will take your case. Nobody wants to get in an accident. These are uncomfortable times. Uh, but you do, you know, honestly need representation sometime. And if you do, you need the best. It's DaspitLawAustin.com, bilingual at 512-865-6710. Okay. Um, by the way, uh, how about some big wins for Leeds United and Jesse Marsh this weekend? Winning at Liverpool. Brighton knocking off Chelsea. Arsenal smashing Nottingham to remain at the top of the table under Arteta. 
And I've always referred on this show to the similarity between that and Josh Wolf when a lot of the Austin FC's fans wanted him uh, ousted in year one. Never, never. Uh, Manchester United got a 1-0 win. Uh, they kind of had to struggle for that one. But uh, that leads result with Tyler Adams playing wonderful in that game. Brendan Aronson, uh, that was huge for Jesse Marsh uh, because a lot of pressure building on him. All right, here's what Sebastian Driussi of Austin FC said after the LAFC loss. Quote, the game today was really difficult. The game was taxing from the start. With the great year we had, it's extremely unfortunate that we came up empty-handed. We were extremely close to reaching our goal. So that's something to build off. Semifinals. And big semifinals. A little bit later, Moon Tower podcast, Jeremiah Bentley will uh, weigh in. So let's go to some sound. Here's Josh Wolf, uh, a part of his opening statement. This is uh, soundbite number one after the loss to LAFC. A lot of credit goes to, to LAFC. Obviously, um, they did a fantastic job making it difficult on us today. Uh, there's no, you know, it's, it's quite clear why they are the supporters' shield. They've been, as I've said, the best team the entire year. And um, this was another example of that. We've been on the other side of games like this where we can put teams under pressure and build momentum and smother them. And, and that's exactly what they did today. They, they didn't give us a chance to breathe. They didn't allow us to build up. They were putting us under pressure. And, and in that, it caused our group a little, a little bit of insecurities. But they're a good team. And with loads of talent and in an extremely good position to win MLS Cup. So we wish them the best of luck and obviously congratulations to them. And then Josh Wolf quickly got into the context of putting it in uh, the entire season and what a great season it was, uh, the club, the fans, etc. Here's Josh Wolf soundbite number two. Aside from the game, there's, there's so much to be proud of as an organization with Austin FC, our ownership, certainly our players and staff. Um, the families, everybody that's suffered and sacrificed time and the, certainly the commitment to, to bring what this, um, what this game is about and to get into positions like this where you can play for Western Conference Championship. Um, much appreciation to um, our owners, our fans, and, and the players. They, they did a trend, uh, fantastic job this year. So in year two, you go from having one of the worst records in the league to, to really turning it around, and I will... You know, till the day I'm gone, I'm going to tell you that last year I saw a lot of good things going on despite the record, despite the team being hit in transition consistently. I saw principles being put in place, which said to me, this coach gets a second year. And obviously the organization saw that too in Claudio Reyna, right? But I've also seen first-year coaches where you go three quarters of the way into the season and you don't see anything you can grasp onto. Um, even if they're not getting results, that tells you this thing is in ascension. So with some retooling of a roster and, you know, Driussi getting some time to get acclimated, you know, you, you had to feel some good things were going to happen. But a lot of wonderful things occurred. Danny Pereira grew in year two. John Gallagher turns into a left back that we, we didn't know, right? Remember how difficult it was to score goals last year. Front runners struggled in a big, big way. Um, you know, you're able to adjust your midfield in different ways. And there just was a lot of positives. You continue to get great goalkeeping from Brad Stuver, obviously, the addition of Gabrielson. Um, and there's many more things that we could talk to. Understanding of a system. Um, Coach 
with good tactical changes, good use of substitution patterns, a lot of things. A lot of things you can coin, point to, and I'm not hitting them all. All right, let's go to Steve Chirundolo because here's another coach that's shining brightly. And before you say, oh, it's just because he's got the players, well, understand, he still has to make all of these players get along. Yes, he's got tremendous depth in his roster, but he's got to lead, he's got to manage, he's got to have a plan. And it's got to be executed. And you'll hear in some of the sound coming up that this was their best game of the year. So they play their best game of the year in his mind in the semifinals. Uh, let's get his recap here. This is soundbite number nine. Steve Chirundolo, the head coach of LAFC. I think the best I've seen this year of them implementing our match plan um, from the first minute to the end, um, which gives us coaches and uh, hopefully the fans and everybody watching the a better feeling uh, watching the game and not worrying until the final minute. So very proud of the guys tonight. So breaking the Austin FC rhythm is something that's talked about every time an MLS team will play against them, right? How do we break their rhythm? How do we, uh, you, you know, deny the ball to Sebastian Briusi? How do we not allow them to get that compounding, you know, uh, uh, tempo and rhythm that allows their outside backs to get forward and, Allows them to press a little bit more often. Okay, so here's soundbite number 10, Chirundolo on Austin and breaking their rhythm. I mean, I can share a little bit of our match plan on the first two games against Austin, um, especially the game here in L.A., um, to put them under pressure, um, who likes to play and spread the field out, and to involve six plus their goalkeepers, players at seven in buildup. And if you can successfully put them under pressure and make them make mistakes, it's hard for them to find a rhythm. Um, And I think we did that emphatically tonight. Yeah, not everybody did that. They did. But during the year, that's not an easy thing uh, at all to do. And I will tell you RSL. RSL had a little bit of a number on that as well. Would I rather watch RSL all season long? Heck no. I want Austin FC. I'm not sitting through a bunch of boring games just to get a little bit of a push at playoff time. I think coaches have to be demanded to putting an entertaining Winning, exciting product on the field during the non-consequential regular season. Kind of non-consequential, let's be honest. And not just one or the other. And you got to win a few games to make sure you get in the playoffs. Uh, But I'd watch Austin FC 99.9% of the time over an RSL. I'm sorry. And that's not to say I don't respect what RSL did in their last two matches against Austin FC. Okay, uh, another one from Steve Chirundolo. Remember in the first segment I was talking about those angled runs that were coming in that were kind of inside of Gallagher and Gabrielson. Uh, this is soundbite number 12, and this, this kind of shows off the direct nature of LAFC. Here's Steve Chirundolo. Yeah, deep runs and, and connecting passes in behind the opponent's back line is, is a huge part of our DNA. It's a big part of our, our game model. And the more we can do it, um, the better we are, um, the faster the game is, and, and the higher the chances are of us scoring. Um, and so, yeah, it's absolutely something we work on, uh, not particularly only for this game. Um, it's part of our, our daily, maybe not daily, but uh, regular training regimen. So those were some of those runs you saw in the first half. Uh, Vela uh, obviously was hitting some key passes, and this made 
made some key runs, also was denied by, by Brad Stuver. So Josh Wolf, the hope was being in the game and only down 1-0, some adjustments at halftime that could maybe make the difference. This is soundbite uh, sound number five, Josh Wolf on the adjustments at halftime. Yeah, I think the first thing was the, the you know the the connections, the spacing, the positioning in the first half was not great. Um, when you lose a few balls, there's a little bit of insecurity in, in some of the positioning and the movements. Uh, Sebo was having a difficult time finding the game, but we knew they would they would certainly try to you know um, you know minimize his influence. But that's where I think you know certainly Musa can come down a little bit further, a little bit earlier uh, along the way. You still have to stretch their back line. We, we played very few realistic balls to get behind their line with Emiliano and Diego. Um, so it was challenging. They, they, they made it combative. They made it combative. It was challenging. It was almost like they had one additional player out there sometimes, the way they closed the ball down. But again, uh, you would never have ever convinced me that LAFC would dominate this game the way they did. You, you wouldn't, before the game, you wouldn't have got me to say that. So if I had bet on that, I would have lost a lot of money. Um, I never really felt, except for a brief glimpse, that Austin FC and Verde were fine in their tempo and rhythm in this one. Now, um, the interesting thing, Josh Wolf very quickly in this press conference, which I love this, and I think, I think you as fans and Austin FC fans, you have to love this as well. He got into the press conference, and this is soundbite number six. He starts talking about, okay, you know, kind of like a great season. We're going to do more next year. We're going to improve this roster even more. Here it is, soundbite number six, Josh Wolf. Um, we've, we've made some great additions this year. It's a good squad. We need to make it better and, and certainly, um, you know, evolve as a group with our tactics, but also with the, with the roster construction. So um, really proud of the group. Um, you know, this is a difficult night, but there's so many positives. Again, like I said, the, the, this, this, this group, this franchise, these, these fans should be um, certainly uh, proud and ecstatic with what the, what the group's achieved, even though we fell short a little bit. This is important what he just said and i'll tell you why because he just laid a marker down for you the austin fc fan there's nothing safe about what he said he basically said we're going to improve this roster we have a good roster we're going to improve it so what does that say to you as a fan they're not content what does it say if you're a player on this roster hey i'm not safe in a healthy way right that to me was the biggest thing out of that press conference so I'm talking about improving the roster again next year. Um, real quick, uh, okay, so Steve Chirundolo and all. Look, um, this was a great year for Austin FC. On and off the field, the environment created by the fans, the enjoyment, the satisfaction everybody's getting out of this pro team. It's spectacular. It's been fun. It's like being in Europe. And guess what? You got a part of it. You're there. And it's not going away. So, remarkable year number two. We'll come back with Jeremiah Bentley of the Moon Tower Podcast. This is the Munsters theme song. Might have to be a little older to remember this. Show's brought to you by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. DaspitLawAustin.com. 512-865-6710. 512-865-6710. Bilingual. 
John and his firm will take your case. Um, get in a car accident, boat, motorcycle, you name it. You need a personal injury attorney. There is none better. DaspitLawAustin.com. By the way, Austin, two shades of the green Soccer Matters t-shirts. I did two shades on purpose for you. LamontBrands.com. Get yours. They all go to the 501C Charity, the, the Snowdrop Foundation, and Pediatric Cancer. Again, LamontBrands.com. Welcome back to The Horn in Austin, Texas here, as always, presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLaw.com, 512-865-6710. You need a personal injury attorney. John and his firm will handle your case, work 24-7 nights and weekends for you. By the way, uh, congratulations to John and his wife. They had uh, a new baby boy. So uh, keep it in the family. Uh, you need a personal injury attorney. Uh, go to the one that supports your game and helps us get on the air. All right. He's from the Moon Tower podcast. A great friend of the show. He's been on before. Jeremiah Bentley joins us now. Hi, Jeremiah. Hey, Glenn. How you doing? Thanks for having me on again. Well, excited to have you on and, and, and to help us put the year in context, uh, uh, as always. But first, let me just get some of your initial thoughts. We've been talking throughout the show uh, about the LAFC match. Some of your initial thoughts on the day and, and, and the way the season ended. Well, I think that there was no doubt that the better team won. So it was obviously very disappointing. I was with a few hundred of my closest friends at Hop Squad Brewery in a, in a lawn chair and with my 13-year-old son watching it. And that place was ready to explode if something happened, you know, Austin's way. But it became pretty clear early on that LAFC was the better team on the day and they were on the front foot and they, they got the outcome that they deserve for sure out of it. And I think it'll make for a, a really exciting final next week. You know, we finally get the two best teams in the league playing each other for the first time in a while. Yeah. And, you know, that's the point I've been driving home a lot. I, I like that fact, because much like Austin FC, who had a great body of work throughout the year, I just I, I don't like it when I hear these coaches. Well, we're going to just time it right for the postseason. You know what? I hope the bar has been set here that that the team that has the best body of work during the regular season wants to continue to get to an MLS Cup final or or maybe gets rewarded by getting through. Um, I just like what it says. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, LA has so much talent, right? Up and down the up and down the field, um, all over the pitch. And Austin just didn't really have an answer for it, especially in the first half. It was reminiscent of of games from 2021, where I think there was one shot on goal, I believe, in the first half from Austin. I mean, just they had no answers. Yeah. And you know, the thing that I like about this, we're talking to Jeremiah Bentley of the Moon Tower podcast, and uh, he's been covering the team all all year long. Um you know, I had not seen Austin FC dominated like that from minute one to minute 90 uh, based on the tactics of another opponent. But one of the things we brought up throughout the show is just how good the midfield three of, of, of Sanchez, Acosta and Cifuentes was uh, re really controlling that middle third of the field. That was a platform of the game for me. Yeah, they were they were all really strong. Uh, definitely. I mean, honestly, LAFC was strong up and down the pitch, but Austin did not seem to have a lot of answers. You know, they weren't very creative. They They just didn't have the, didn't have a great night overall. Um, and then, you know, the, the back line looked a little shaky. I mean, all the things that you would be afraid about that we saw last year from Austin FC all came to bear, but 
I mean, what an incredible year. Like they exceeded expectations. I think beyond the wildest dreams of anybody, it's such a good playoff run. that looks so good against FC Dallas. Yesterday I was super frustrated. Like today I can tell you that, that this is such a, such a better year than I thought. And it, picking up that win in LA would have been gravy, but still very, very excited about the way things went and very, very excited about the potential for what Austin might be able to do in the future. Um, given that it didn't seem like that much of a fluke. I mean, it seems like there's talent. doesn't seem like there's a lot of guys that are going to go out. Um, and it seems like th- that Austin has a project that we can just build on down the road. Yeah. And Josh Wolf and his post-match uh, comments made some really good comments. I mean, obviously, and I, and I thank you for taking us into the context of the year. You know, he did mention that he said, look, uh, we're going to continue to build this roster. I mean, we're not set. And that's kind of what you want to hear from your coach after a rough game like that uh, is hey, number one acknowledgement of all the great things that have happened. The season's not defined by this one game. And by the way, there's a bunch of other teams that weren't in a semifinal. So let me just quickly add that. But I love the fact that Josh Wolf came out and said, you know, there's more we got to do with this roster. We got to improve it. There's more to go. Um, that to me was a great message to the fan base. Yeah, it was. I think everybody you would talk to, would, would think that, that we would be excited about next year. Uh, when I, I would go online, you know, on Twitter, on Reddit, even these places that are usually super negative. I mean, I think everybody really is appreciative of what this club accomplished and how it seems to be built in a way that that wasn't really a fluke and that there's like a strong foundation to build on the future. There's obviously some pieces that need to come in. I think there's probably a solution we need to find at Stryker. Um, we need some more help on the back line. Uh, but the club seems to be committed to doing it. And the core of this team is going to be back next year. Talking to Jeremiah Bentley of the Moon Tower podcast. You know, you know that's a great, I want to ask you about that. And you mentioned about the negativity. How much negativity really was there this year? I mean, are, are there some really uh, deep, dark fans who just can't get any positive out of this team? I mean, is there a real good, healthy balance of it? Is some of it healthy, good, healthy criticism that brings up good topics about the team? You know, where, where do you kind of gauge all that conversation that happens on social media. I would say this year, there's, there's a lot, there's healthy criticism and a lot of positivity. I think Josh Wolf really took a beating last year. Um, yeah. By the way, where are all those people that wanted him fired yeah. last year, by the way, are they still out there? Yeah. They, they seem to have disappeared or changed their team. And honestly, some very good friends of mine who are very much Josh Wolf out people have uh, just come clean and said like, Hey, I was wrong. You know, I didn't think that he showed last year the capability maybe to learn and adjust and that he was super dogmatic about the system but having let me let me stop you there let me stop you there for a second because the reason you're here in year two is because he was dogmatic about the way he wanted to play and he stuck with it he may not have had the pieces but i saw that very crystal clear last year that there were a lot of good elements being implemented i also saw a coach that was you know obviously going to make who wouldn't make mistakes in in a new position as the head man, um, I think a lot of it was purely based on winning and losing personally. I think that that's probably true. And I feel like he did a good job of building on that. Right. And there's no, nothing makes fans happier than winning. I think you're absolutely right about that. Like you can kind of throw it out the window and they, they had some positional flexibility. You know, the way they played against FC Dallas was different than they had played before. And I think that comes with time with the system with him installing the things that he wants to do and that he's really passionate about. So they can, can grow from there. So, you would expect that to continue uh, next year, too. Yeah, no question about it. Jeremy, Jeremiah Bentley joining us uh, 
on this uh, Halloween night. We forget about that. There's a lot of ghouls and goblins out there. So be careful tonight, Jeremiah. Uh, I know you're taking your son out. Um, you know, going back to what you said, you know, there were a lot of people also nationally that, you know, after year one, you know, we're like, oh, you know, they're going to end up near the bottom of the conference. And look, I think we also have to understand a lot of this is people that are not watching game in and game out. Now, would I be watching Austin FC game in and game out? I will tell you, yes, because aesthetically, I like the way they were playing. Even last year, I could see the ideas, in my opinion. And obviously, there was a bunch of players. There's some very key pieces added, the emergence of Drew E.C. in a bigger way. But aesthetically, those were the two best teams in the league for me. Now, only one of them showed for this game, obviously, in the aesthetics department. But to me, they're the two most interesting soccer teams in the league. Yeah, I, I really think that there's nothing wrong with the national media that doesn't follow it, like having that opinion. If you look at Austin bringing in, who's the biggest name? Ethan Finley, Maxi Garuti. I mean, you'd have you'd take the 12th place team in the West. Like, why would you why would you expect the club to go so much farther than that and exceed their performance from last year? I think you hit on the biggest change for me is Sebastian Juicy obviously showed a bunch of potential last year, but the way he took to the system and the way he gelled with the guys and the way that Josh built us play around him and the way he exceeded, I think is really the biggest difference between this year and last year is just having time with him in the system, which leaves me some hope that maybe Emiliano Ragoni who showed some talent will also be able to like learn and integrate and, and make a difference next year in a way that he wasn't able to this year. Yeah, he had a rough he had a rough game against LAFC. He was forced to defend a lot in that game, which made it very, very difficult for Emiliano Rigoni. But I think you bring up a good point. You know, people have to kind of wade into the waters of Major League Soccer and, and figure it out. I felt sad for Sebastian Driussi in this game. He didn't have a single key pass, hardly involved. It. I mean, I, I was almost stunned at halftime how I almost forgot about him, which I have not forgotten about him in a game all year long because I just absolutely love watching this guy play. He plays in all areas of the field. Yes, he was caught high here, but if you can't get the ball and you're under pressure and you're being controlled and you're basically being suffocated by LAFC, it, it was hard to get him involved. But man, it was it was amazing how limited he was by the tactics of LAFC. Yeah, I think you really hit on the reason that that was the case, that the Fuentes Acosta and Sanchez just shut down everything that Austin was trying to do offensively and really put put Austin on their back feet and, and you know and they just couldn't work the ball forward and get him involved in the match. Let's talk a little bit about some of the highs of the year, um, whether they're games or things. A couple things jump out to me. Year two emergence of Danny Pereira, uh, John Gallagher becoming the left back and and kind of a, a, a guy that gets another shot at his career in a very different way. Um, obviously, Driussi's breakout. Um, what else? I think Maxi Rudy kind of flared out a little bit at the end. I think I, I, much like he did in Houston. Um, so what are, what are some of your key moments of the year? Yeah. Maxi has a tendency to do that, right? I think he went the last 10 without, uh, without scoring. I mean, for me, it was the comebacks. The comebacks were incredible. There's so much fun to yeah. being down to DC United three Oh, um, you know, in the 80th minute and then coming back to make that, to, to win that one, uh, the comeback in the playoffs have, being able to watch two playoff games, that this is absolutely the highlight for me. Being able to watch two home playoffs games in the second year at Q2 Stadium and being with that crowd is just amazing. And then I think the L.A. home match was definitely a highlight for everybody. I mean, Austin, yeah. we were convinced that Austin was the best team in the world at that point, right? And it didn't turn out to be that way, but they finally got us back. Um, but just the whole year was a delight. And um, 
we interviewed Adrian Healy and he told us mid-season, like just soak this all in and appreciate it. And, you know, there's going to be highs and lows, but the fact that this club is in this position already is something that we should all, we should all be excited about. And I really took that to heart and I've tried to enjoy the whole ride, even when it gets a little frustrating. It's the beauty of the sport. And, and listen, I mean, what a party each and every week at that stadium. You, you have a talisman and Driussi leading the team. It's an entertaining style of play. How important do you think the purpose of play is this, this type of style of play where it's a risk-taking style, it's aggressive. Um, I absolutely love it. I, I think from an entertainment perspective, and I would think from the Austin FC fan base, it's, it's something that you guys identify with and are prideful in. Yeah, I love it. It's exciting. It's, it's different. It makes for interesting games, uh, no matter what, both forward and backward. And they built a, they built the the roster right around this style of play. And so I just look forward to seeing more of that and, and seeing how things shake out in the off season when we, we get those pieces in maybe and are able to really go even to the next level in terms of this, this style of play. Cause you're right. It is super entertaining and super fun to watch. No question about it. Jeremiah, thank you so much for coming on the show, closing it out here tonight. Have a great rest of uh, your Halloween night. And uh, a lot of great things in store for you and the Austin FC fans in the future. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Glenn. Really appreciate it. All right. That's Jeremiah Bentley, Moon Tower podcast. Uh, that does it tonight here for Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas. DaspitLawAustin.com are presenting sponsors at 512-865-6710. 512-865-6710. By the way, they're bilingual. They'll handle your case. You get in a car, boat, motorcycle accident. These things are not fun but you do need representation. DaspitLawAustin.com. Podcasts to this show, HornFM.com. Get your Soccer Matters t-shirts. All proceeds to the 501c charity, Snowdrop Foundation. All you got to do is go to LamontBrands.com. By the way, I came up with two shades of green for Austin, Texas, okay? $20, light, beautiful cotton, perfect for our climate. But we got them in green. We got uh, two different shades of green. So if you uh, are inclined purchase one and all the proceeds will go to the 501c charity snowdrop foundation uh, which is for pediatric cancer patients uh, awareness fundraising and scholarships that does it tonight i'm glenn davis thanks for tuning in and uh, until next week uh, remember soccer matters